fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolfpack, what is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves here. Thrilled to welcome back Mr. Justin Boone of the uh, the Score app. He's their lead fantasy analyst. They also have the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. He's clearly one of the most accurate guys in fantasy football. Number one just two years ago in 2019. Number five last year. Top seven for seven straight. I mean, doesn't get much better for a track record than that. Fantastic stuff. I'm so thrilled to have him on now for the second time. Justin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me back. I will say when I came on last year, though, it was a lot nicer hearing about how I had just won the contest. And, you know, <laughs> top five's great, but it's a, a lot nicer coming off that big win. But uh, my guy, Pat Fitzmorris, won it last year. And we joked on my show during the season that if I wasn't going to be able to repeat, I wanted to see him bring it home. And I was glad that he did. Uh, it's awesome. And and actually, Pat Fitzmorris was just on Tuesday. Uh, so we had like the ultimate accuracy. What am I here for? Back. Come on. What am I here for then? You had Pat on. You don't need me. <laughs> exactly. Just cross comparing these legends, seeing how they, they think and, and if there's similar trends and whatnot. Because this is my first year in the accuracy competition. And for a little while, I snuck into like the top five and it was going well. Crashed a little bit at the end, still finished top 30. But I got to keep picking the brains of the goats that are just always at the top. So as much as I can learn from you, as much as I can learn from Pat, I'm gonna gonna squeeze out as much as I can, man. I'm thrilled well, to to have you on. I know we we talked a bit during the season there, and you were crushing it early on. Yeah, it was exciting to see, and that's it. Just every year, you'll keep getting better. You'll figure out kind of little tricks. You'll refine your process, and I got no doubt you're gonna be up there near the top soon. Absolutely. And as I was alluding to, so Wolfpack, if you're out there and you don't mind giving this a thumbs up wherever you're at, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, it's greatly appreciated. It helps us get out there to more people. Uh, we're going to be diving into the 2021 rankings as we previewed at the top, talking about overprices, values, and of course, hitting that no huddle offense with Justin. But as I alluded at the top, again, the one of the most accurate minds, I always love to just ask about process and, and how you do it. I, I, just to preview it once more, number one two years ago, number five last year, top seven for seven straight. It just It's a clear track record, and that's what we want is to be accurate. So what are some best practices, tips, You know, any suggestions you have that I can maybe take and keep, continue to improve my game here? I mean, in my mind, it's, and it's not really, it's not going to sound like the most fun thing to say, but it's about trying to include as many data points as possible, right? And that requires long hours, you know, it takes a, a lot of time spent, especially during the fall when you're trying to just go over, you know, researching, you know, you're reading as much as you can, you're listening to as many podcasts, you're trying to go over what the beat writers are saying, just to see if you can pull out that little nugget or two that maybe other people aren't seeing, or, you know, you could put a couple of the pieces together to figure something out along the way. So just staying on top of the news is the biggest one. And it's not just about, you know, I know like Roto world does a great job. Those sites, not Roto world, sorry, NBC sports yeah. edge now, but you know, sites that are doing the, the sort of aggregation, they do great job. 
But you also have to remember, it's not just about the skill position players. It's about what's going on in the offensive and defensive lines, mm-hmm. who's having issues with the coaches, who's hurt, who's healthy, all that sort of stuff. I mean, what guys' wives are having a baby that week and yeah. maybe they're going to be a little tired. They're going to miss practice. I know that sounds ridiculous and you're obviously not going to make a decision just based on that. But you want to take as many of these data points into consideration when you're kind of coming up with that final product, whether you're setting your your lineups, whether you're trying to figure out, you know, projections and, and rankings and all that sort of stuff. So and that's really the name of the game. And I, I don't know that there's like a, you know, one thing that is just going to lead you there. I think it's just bringing all of that stuff together and trying to, to paint the picture. I think I've heard other analysts kind of say like, it's a, like a mosaic, right? You're trying to get all these little pictures together to form the one big picture. If you're talking about like specific process when it comes to year long rankings, that starts in January and then it's the same kind of thing, right? You're just going through, going over what happened last year, going over, you know, and I don't really want to look at the the season totals. I want to look at like the per game averages, whether we're talking about fantasy points or targets or whatever. Um, And then you start to go through it and you get, you know, uh, you get uh, free agency, you get the draft. The rosters are constantly changing. Each change means you got to go update those projections. And then this time of year, it's really fun because now we got a pretty good idea. There's going to be a couple things. Julio's probably going to get traded. You know, maybe yeah. Todd Gurley, we're seeing him Ugh. visit the Lions. Maybe Gurley's going to sign somewhere. I don't think he's going to do much for fantasy. That is not a recommendation to go pick him up. But <laughs> you just keep, you know, strength of schedule. That's another one. It's not just about who they're playing. It's about all the little details. Like Warren Sharp the last couple of years has done great work with the rest each team's getting and some teams are at a deficit and some teams are getting a ton of rest. And how is that going to, there's just so much stuff that you're kind of incorporating into all of it. And then in season for me, and really that's my bread and butter, right? That's when you're saying top seven, seven straight years, it's been that in season grind. Um, It's about my, my schedule, my process. And each week I know I have like very strict, I kind of turn in, I joke that I like kind of turn into a machine, right? I'm just yeah. processing information and then generating rankings and, and content and projections during the season. Um, the off season is for the fun, right? That right now, this is the time where I can get a little bit of a sunburn and I can go out <laughs> there and enjoy myself, party, get it all out of my system. Cause then come, you know, mid July, late July there, you're kind of going back into it and underwater for another four or five months, whatever it ends up being. Uh, but yeah, sticking to that schedule, I liken it to, um, like an NBA player, right? With the, the free throws, they want to have that same process each time that muscle memory. And that's what it's like for me each season. I've kind of gotten right back into the same groove. I know what I have to do. And then each year I can just try to refine it a little bit more and figure out, you know, shave the fat off and maybe figure out which things I'm overvaluing or undervaluing and that sort of stuff. So I don't have just this golden key to give you where it's going to unlock everything. It's just this really kind of big process bringing everything together. And and I've been very fortunate that I've been as accurate as I am. Yeah. Crushing it as always, my man. Um, And of all years to have a routine, like 2020 was just madness. You you think you'd have your process and then Sunday you'd wake up and half a team was out and you're just like, oh, well, there goes everything that I was once considering. It was, it was was, chaos. I was driving down the highway last year because Saturday is the day where I can take half of Saturday and go do something with my wife or family or friends. And we were driving down the highway on Saturday when it came out that Cam Newton got COVID last year, yeah. tested positive. <laughs> and I had passed my phone to my wife and I said, you got to just keep reading me everything that's coming in on Twitter right now. I need to know. And she's like, what <laughs> is it? Everything all right? Do we need to stop the car? And I was like, no, no, 
We're on our way home. Just keep re I wanted that information as fast as possible. So when I got home, I could sit down at the computer and immediately start updating everything. So that wow. gives you a little idea, you know, behind the scenes, kind of how crazy I can get with it sometimes. It, it really can. Oh, man, that's that's awesome. Well, digging in now, I, I know, you know, I, I love and appreciate here in the process and whatnot. Uh, our listeners, though, they're here for the players. They're here for the names. They want to know who does this guy like heading into 2021, the, one of the most accurate rankers out there. And uh, for you, your single favorite pick right now, you wrote down Robert Woods. What do you love about this guy heading out into 2021? I mean, I think Robert Woods has been one of my favorite picks for like a few years running now. Uh, the guy is essentially putting up either high-end uh, wide receiver two numbers or low-end wide receiver one numbers at times. That connection in that offense, since Sean McVay's been there, since he went to L.A., just such an underrated player. It's just last year it seemed like he was getting a little more respect, but then you go look at the ADP this year, late fourth, normally more into like the fifth round, wide receiver 20 or so, incredible value you're getting. And it's not just, you know, over 85 catches each of the last three years. He gives you the rushing numbers, at least 115 rushing yards each of the last three years, scores at least one rushing touchdown every season. So that boosts up his value as well. And now you have Matt Stafford showing up. And that's the thing that I feel like every fantasy analyst and maybe everybody got it out of their system, you know, back in January, February, when the, the trade or when he uh, ended up there, when the trade happened. But looking at this offense, the jump from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford and assuming Stafford stays healthy. I know he's had some back issues. That stuff can pop up. But assuming Stafford stays healthy, this offense is going to go into another stratosphere. And I don't want to compare it to like, you know, Peyton Manning going to the Broncos and it's not going to be like some crazy historic season necessarily, but we're going to get a much better product on the field from that passing game. You don't need Sean McVay just, you know, telling his quarterback exactly what to do. It'll help him. But now you have Stafford out there that can do all the things himself. He can diagnose the defense himself. He can make every throw out there. He can push the ball downfield. So that's definitely going to help a guy like Woods. And if you're worried about target competition, you know, bringing in Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell and kind of having some more pieces there, I just think the fact that the entire offense is going to be raised by Stafford and the better quarterback play, it makes Woods just such an excellent pick. I think he's, he's just that sneaky wide receiver one, really. And he's almost treated like a you know low-end wide receiver two right now. And yet he constantly, constantly overperforms. Absolutely. I mean, he's been the wide receiver 11, 14, and 14 the last three straight years. And that was without Stafford, who, as you said, could elevate this entire offense. It wasn't too long ago McVay was the next wonderkin and lighting the world on fire and going to be setting those Peyton Manning kind of crazy records with Goff at the helm. So I know it sounded like I, you know, like hyperbole to say that, but you never know. Like it could go completely berserk this year with the Rams. So I like that call a lot. I've always been a huge Woods fan. He does it all. He does it all. And even though they did add that competition, it's also kind of more just space clearers. You know, Deshaun Jackson, two to the speed guys. Yeah, sure, they can take a screen and rip it down the field as well. But I think just giving him more room to roam, more safeties down deep, like I just don't know how you're going to stop this offense. There's a few of those offenses in the league this year, and I think that's one of them. So I'm with I'm you. Not, I'm not really factoring it in, but he's also a former Bill, right? So that, that <laughs> helps him too, Amaya. <laughs> of course, man. I know we thought we were joking about that on the last podcast. Like, this is going to be the year. I know it. They are. And it, what, I mean, what a team. Like, because I'm the Pats close. fan. I was giving you grief over that. Like, how long we've dominated. And you're like, just wait, man. It's going to well, flip. And I have a few friends, a couple of people that I work with and stuff who are Buccaneers fans. And we almost got to that Bills-Bucks Super Bowl. And unfortunately, oh. my team was the one that couldn't pull it off on their end. Yeah. 
That would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned on the last show with Pat, one of my favorite picks is Mike Davis. And I think you're going to be talking about him later. So we'll skip over him. We're talking for about Mike I, Davis I, quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, we're going to rave and wax and poetic on him a little bit later. So we'll dive now into some of the best positional values. We're each going to give a guy or two who we really love, who we think are outperform their current ADPs. Uh, as we know, it could change. From here on out, you know, there's there's training camp, there's battles, there could be injuries. But for the most part, ADPs should be relatively set from here on out, uh, minus a few big jumps. So let's dive in to who are some guys you love at quarterback. And you mentioned Trey Lance and Tua. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be writing about these, you know, value picks and stuff. Because like you said, ADPs will change a little bit. I'll be writing about all that stuff. It'll be in our draft kit. It'll be on the score app. So everybody can go check that out. Uh, but yeah, Lance and Tua, to me, seem like very obvious picks here. Uh, for Trey Lance, you're talking about a guy who's you know has this rushing upside, just incredible rushing numbers in that one big season in college. He's going to a team with excellent coaching. He's got great weapons there. I think the only concern right now is when is he going to start? And guess what? It's going to be very quickly. Like the, yeah. the upside of having him under center versus what they've seen. They've had Garoppolo there. They know what they can get from him. Maybe they'll start the season and give Jimmy a chance to see if he can kind of exceed expectations, but that is not going to last long. I think there's a good shot that we're going to see Lance under center in week one. And in that setting, with all of those great things around him that I just mentioned, this guy, the the upside, he could be a, a top five fantasy quarterback. Like it could just happen just like that. Kind of like we saw with Lamar when he got into the starting role uh, with Baltimore and then Tua. It's another simple one here. I think people are just writing him off way too soon. Not every rookie comes in and just blows up right away. The guy was you know, coming off that really scary injury that almost took his career away from him. The Dolphins organization is so smart, and it makes me a little worried as a Bills fan because I just watched the Bills change the culture of that team. I watched the, you know, have all this faith now in the coaching staff and the front office. They're making the right calls, not just in the players they're picking up, in the draft, everywhere. And now we're seeing the Dolphins do the exact same thing, right? And what that means is they've surrounded Tua now with the kind of talent that he needs. Last year, you look at the weapons that they had, and it wasn't like the cupboard was bare, but it also wasn't necessarily the right guys with his skill set. Now you bring in Jalen Waddle, you bring in Will Fuller, you have these speedy guys, they can get these slants, take them upfield, they can stretch the field. So now that offense doesn't have to just be you know, shrunk down. Um, it's going to be really good for Tua's development. And it's it's not shocking, right? You see better weapons come in, just like we saw with Josh Allen. And guess what? The quarterback's going to play better when those weapons around him are stronger. So I think it's pretty simple. And we've seen other guys like, you know, I think Tua got compared to Drew Brees quite a bit coming out. And that's a lofty comparison. But Brees, if you remember, when he first came to the league, he didn't necessarily light it up right away, right? Some of these guys take a little bit of time before they start putting up bigger numbers. And, and I think we're going to see that from Tua pretty quickly here. Absolutely. I, I love to, as you mentioned, like those guys that can take the slant and just take it to the house, the Drew Brees comparison. That's why Tua was compared to him because he just hits those guys in stride as they're running. He just didn't have that last year. I mean, Devonte Parker's is number one, good, big body guy. You can lob it up and see what he does, but that's not Tua's strength. So I'm big into this offense and what it could be for Tua with the speed on the, the outside. I love the Trey Lance call too. obviously the Konami code upside is phenomenal. Plus, I, I somebody noted that their playoff schedule for the fancy playoffs, depending on what happens with this whole new season schedule, they get the Bengals, Falcons, Titans, and Texans in their last four games uh, of the regular season. So, I mean, that's Beautiful. just 
He, if, whenever he starts, if he's going to eventually be starting by those fantasy playoffs, and he could just win leagues at that point. So he's one of those guys that even if he's resting for a couple weeks, like you, he might be worth stashing even in season long for sure. So I'm with you there. Love all those guys. The one I want to toss out there is Jameis Winston. And it's, it's risky because Taysom Hill might end up being the starting quarterback. It's an open competition right now. We don't know what will happen, but he is basically free. If you're doing early best ball right now, he's the quarterback 25 or so. And if he ends up being the starter, sure, it's going to be some of that annoying Taysom Hill comes in and, and runs some in the goal line. It's going to suck. It's going to be annoying. That happens. We get it. It's still a Sean Payton offense with an absolute gunslinger at quarterback. It seems like we've all forgotten that Jameis Winston just led the league in yards, second in TDs, number one in attempts two seasons ago. It was the QB4 in fantasy. And Payton's offense is a bit – it's not quite as much risk it, you know, no risk it, no biscuit as Arians, but – it's still a high-powered aerial attack that was top 10 in pass attempts all but you know three years with Drew Brees there. So I, I, if this ends up being their guy, if you're getting him for free right now, and even if he does, they announce it, his price goes up a little bit, I imagine because he's been so low so far, like I can't see him shooting up to top 10 in quarterback rankings, but I really think he has top 10 upside in that offense with those weapons all around him. Of course, again, Taysom Hill, yes, could be a nuisance. I still, all the talks is Jameis Winston has the early edge. They're impressed with his decision-making. And we haven't seen a full season of LASIK Jameis yet. I cannot wait to see what this guy <laughs> can do with some actual vision. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for Jameis Winston, especially at his early free price tag in best ball right now. Do you think I'm a lunatic? The only other thing other than obviously Taysom being more involved if Jameis even you know wins that job, which I think he's going to win the job as well. The only thing that worries me is, are we going to see what we saw from Breeze late in his career where they have a much better defense now? They have a great running game, not just Kamara, but Latavius Murray. Like They have solid running backs. They can take a lot of that pressure off their quarterback, and they were doing that with Breeze, right? We weren't seeing Mm – before in his career, we saw Breeze put up those huge numbers, 5,000-yard seasons and you know five touchdown games and all that stuff. That wasn't happening very much in the last few years. Um, now, whether they were just doing that because they knew he didn't have the arm anymore and they were trying to protect him, maybe it's a really smart coaching staff. But I worry that the the setup that Jameis had with the Bucks, the Bucks defense now is fantastic. The Bucks yeah. defense when Jameis was there, it was not so good. And they were forced into those crazy shootouts and those you know wild YOLO comeback games. Um, I don't know that the Saints are going to be in that position as much. So that would be my only concern and why I've kind of kept Jameis a little bit lower but I'm a, a Jameis dynasty owner in probably far too many dynasty leagues at this point and and super flex leagues where I would love to see him get back into my lineup so I'm with you rooting for it happening absolutely uh and yeah they you know after all those top 10 pass attempt seasons the last few they've been 19 uh 23 13 25 so not yet yeah, the, the volume is certainly going to go down uh, but even within those seasons Breeze eked out a, a QB 8 QB 7 points per game and was top 15 so I mean Still some decent upside, uh, given how much they just score in the red zone at will, it seems, once they're there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it's a clear cut. This is Jameis's job. The, the worst case would be like a, a legitimate platoon where they're like alternating series yeah. and stuff. And it could happen. Like You, we don't, you don't do know. But uh, do it's worth a stab at this point, in my opinion, uh, at his price. And a guy that, again, I, I said is one of my favorite picks of this year, maybe me, my favorite pick at the moment, if his price doesn't change, is Mike Davis with the Falcons. Uh, I've raved about him plenty on the show, but I would love to hear your take on him. What do you love so much about Davis? 
I mean, it's pretty straightforward at this point. At the beginning of the offseason, I moved him down my rankings because I thought there's no possible way. Like, even once he ended up in Atlanta, I was like, there's no possible way that they're going to go into the season with just Mike Davis there. They're going to end up drafting somebody. And even if they didn't get one of the top three guys, they could have got somebody in the mid-rounds or even the late rounds that could come in and maybe challenge for some touches. And I know people are excited about Javion Hawkins. I am too. I picked him up with some dynasty rookie drafts. But Javion Hawkins, the chances of him kind of emerging, the people that are comparing him to like, he's going to be this year's James Robinson and all that stuff, he's not that kind of back. Like he's maybe more of like a Philip Lindsay where he'll give you one year, maybe two years if he gets into, you know, a volume role. But I still think that's a pretty big long shot. And now you have Mike Davis who – Who's out there right now that is going to show up in Atlanta and really worry you? Uh, we're seeing, like I said earlier, Todd Gurley with the Lions potentially signing there. We'll see what happens. Even if Gurley, Maybe I, don't think, Bell. I mean, yeah, is Gurley going to go back to Atlanta? I can't imagine that's going to happen. Wow. Le'Veon Bell, we've seen from Le'Veon Bell the last couple of years now. It's not the same product as it was when he was in Pittsburgh, right? He's a little older and just doesn't seem to be the same back. So I'm not overly concerned that there's going to be someone else that shows up now. It's possible there's a trade. It's possible we could see somebody like, and I mean, I want to bring up Javante Williams in a second here. It's possible we see somebody like Melvin Gordon get cut or traded. Something like that could happen, and maybe that would be a problem. But right now, you have Mike Davis in what looks to be a volume role, and he's a guy that can produce, right? Top 12 fantasy running back last year in PPR leagues. This isn't a volume-dependent Peyton Barber, no offense to Peyton Barber, you know, grinder role that he just needs all this volume and maybe he'll eco to touchdown or something like that. This is a guy that can catch passes. He can put up RB one numbers in fantasy in, even if Julio's not there in a, what I expect to be a pretty solid offense with the weapons they have. So I really like Davis. And then the other one, Javante Williams, like I said, I think this is headed towards, we saw Denver move up to get him, you know, early in the second round, get ahead of Miami, make sure they could get him. We're seeing videos put out where they're just raving about him. They yeah. seem to kind of already be souring on Melvin Gordon. There was some off-field stuff, right? Like, I think they're getting ready to move on from Melvin Gordon. And we've seen this thing play out so many times now, whether it's Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, or whoever. You go into the season, even if Melvin Gordon's still on the roster, okay, he'll start the season off, and then it's not going to take very long for that rookie, that, you know, highly priced rookie to come in and take over the job. So I expect that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And right now he's going like sixth round or later. You can get Javante Williams. People really aren't the odd draft. I've seen someone who's kind of sharp, maybe grab him earlier, but he's a guy that I think he's going to be an RB two at least this season. And I think, you know, once that happens, when Melvin Gordon, they move on or kind of get that report that comes out where things start changing, his price is going to go way up. So get him now if you can. Absolutely agree. 100% on both guys. Love Javante. I had uh, Thor from Mount Roto World, NBC Sports Edge. I always do the same thing. Uh, but he he came on and he this was his number one back, even above Najee before the draft. Now, landing spot wise, obviously that changes things fantasy wise, but just because of the talent, the, the ability to break tackles. I think he set a record for amount of broken tackles per attempt. And bell, bell cow breeder, Pat Shermer, still there. You know, they, they can talk all they want about wanting a committee, but his offenses, you, you just go through history, whether it's Trent Richardson, who was horrendous, still fed him a ton of touches. When he had good backs like Steven Jackson, Dalvin Cook, I mean, he's made monsters the way he feeds three down backs. I don't think this is going to end up being some little committee that you just can't rely on one of them. I think it's going to be Javante, the guy they went out and got. 
Uh, I love everything about him. And I think this is Melvin Gordon's time it has come and gone. Mike Davis is, of course, as everything you said, so much available off, uh, volume and it's such an explosive offense. Uh, even without Julio, they're going to put up points. And you saw what Arthur Smith put up points in with Tennessee. They're going to definitely put up points with the weaponry, even without Julio there. And I think Davis could certainly be a candidate for 10 to, to 15 touchdowns in that scheme. My my guy is certainly a lot less exciting as a, of a name. Uh, nobody wants to to ride a bus ever, but similar to Gus Edwards, no one wants to drive, you know, pick, pick this guy, draft him. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised if you end up taking this plunge. Uh, there's just a lot to like about him. Every metric rushing wise, whether it's yards per carry, whether it's yards created and you want to get the advanced analytics, this guy's always at the top 10 list. I mean, all he does is just churn, churn and churn some more. And he hasn't really been consistent. Obviously it's been a three headed nightmare with Mark Ingram there. Then JK Dobbins drafted, but in the seven games in his career where he has not had Ingram there, he goes from averaging five points per fantasy game to nearly 13. And I know 13 is not like this world-breaking, record-setting number, but that would have been a, a nice RB2 last year. It's right in that range of what DeAndre Swift was averaging last year. And, and you're getting this guy at pick 100, 120. Like, nobody wants him, and there's just going to be far more available volume in an offense that's clearly centered around the run. Greg Roman's always top five. Every single year he's coordinated plays, regardless of where he's at, it's been top five in rush attempts. So you know the ground pie is going to be there. You know it's going to be efficient, and you know this guy can do damage when he gets the volume. So to me, then you mix in the fact, what if something happens to J.K. Dobbins? Like, it's it's to me one of those ultimate, like, handcuff with benefits that nobody's treating really as a handcuff or with the benefits. And I'll just scoop him up in round 10, 11, 12. And I think he just evolves into a nice dependable flex by the end of it. So unexciting, but I think he's one of the better values at running back right now. What do you think? Even even last year down the stretch when Dobbins came on and Ingram was kind of out of the picture, I think on a per game average, he was inside the top 30. I think he was like RB 29 down the stretch. And, and that's that's decent numbers for where you're getting him. Yeah. Just as a guy that you could throw in there as a flex who has that significant upside. Uh, those are the kind of guys you want, right? Whether it's going to be, you know, there, there's the other type of, of, you know, handcuff backup RB where they really need the injury to happen. Like Alexander Madison's probably not going to give you much until that injury happens to Dalvin Cook. But Gus Edwards could be somebody that sneaks into your lineup. Yeah, I love that call. Awesome. And then moving on to the wide receiver position, two guys I am in love with as well. So I love that you put these guys on the list. Mr. Curtis Samuel and Darnell Mooney. What do you love about these guys' values heading into 2021? Well, I will say too, I'm, I'm kind of cheating because you sent me show notes and I just was kind of throwing in names that I liked and not really narrowing it down to one. So that's it's kind of cheating that I'm talking about a couple <laughs> guys each time, but I guess everybody's getting a little more value for their money, right? It's Absolutely. A, a two for one off me here. Um, if you go back to a couple of years ago, even uh, Curtis Samuel has been a top 30 fantasy receiver now for the better part of like three years and he's dealt with a lot of stuff along that way right so he was a top 30 fantasy receiver in 2018 before cam newton got hurt and yeah when you look at it in the total numbers after those last few weeks where cam wasn't there things got a little worse the next year he was a top 30 receiver again for most of the year and that's despite the fact that just horrific quarterback play. I mean, people have gone over this and over this, but you know, Kyle Allen and Will Greer and just a nightmare situation where they were using him as a deep threat. None of those quarterbacks could get him the ball there. And people want to look back and say, well, this is kind of the same coaching staff now in Washington. The quarterback play is going to be much, much better for him this year. And then last year, 
we see him come out, Teddy Bridgewater. They're using him in a slightly different way, but wide receiver 24 in PPR leagues last season. So he has that wide receiver two upside. I will admit he's probably more of a, a wide receiver three, but goes to this Washington team where he's going to have Fitzpatrick, who is not afraid to push the ball downfield. Um, just very excited. Another guy, like I mentioned with Robert Woods, if I can get these guys that are going to give you that rushing production as well, you get the rushing production with him. I'm pretty sure he led all receivers last year uh, in rushing attempts. So very exciting guy that you can get in like the eighth round or later. He's going outside of the top 40 receivers and has that top 24 upside in my opinion. And then Mooney, it's kind of a similar thing where He's a guy that has a lot of speed. He's a guy that really was hurt by poor quarterback play. They couldn't connect with him downfield. And Justin Fields, much more accurate on those deep balls. So another situation where we got to figure out how long is it going to take for him to start. Another situation where I don't think it's going to take that long for him to get under center. No offense to Andy Dalton, but uh, (laughs) Justin Fields is going to be there. He is the hope of that franchise. They need him under there as soon as possible. So Mooney's a guy that had pretty good stats last year for, I believe, what, a fifth-round rookie. Um, over 60 catches, over 600 yards. Um, we're going to see him take a, a big jump up when the quarterback play improves there. So another guy that he is essentially going for free in drafts. You can get him well outside of the top 10 rounds and a guy who could jump up and maybe give you wide receiver three numbers if that offense improves. I love it. I love the Mooney call, especially at, at 4 3 8, 40. 22 deep targets last year, and 15 of those were deemed uncatchable. That's 70% of them. Uh, 17% completion rate was sixth worst in the league. And then Justin Fields comes in, completing nearly 60% of his deep passes. I get the college game is a different level of competition, but that's still, the dude can push it down the field. He was behind only Burrow and Mac Jones in the last two seasons in deep accuracy, and six best in the past five years on that. So I love that call. How many times have we seen Nick Foles just sailing it over Mooney's head, streaking wide open down the field like I I know as a DFS owner I would always go like 3k Mooney and I would just be screaming at my TV like if he hits this I'm winning thousands of dollars and he doesn't so I you know just brutal brutal so I'm I'm looking very much forward to Justin Fields and Mooney connecting on far more of those and I love the Curtis Samuel call too just such a dynamic useful talent that as you mentioned move them all over the place backfield and that's exactly what they're going to do in Washington. But the deep yardage is what I'm really excited about with Ryan Fitzmagic pushing that down the field. I just love that whole offense. I love Fitzpatrick. He's my favorite value QB, as I talked about on Tuesday. I think everything about that offense is, is so sexy. And and from week seven on, you know, Curtis Samuel started very slow to the season. And then there was a bye week. And it seemed like they just made this decision. Or I think he might have got hurt, whatever it was. Uh, after that in terms of third down targets, like they just peppered the guy every single third down. I think he was the highest in third down catches among all receivers, if I'm not mistaken. He averaged nearly 17 points per game from week seven on, uh, which would have been right around the top 15 receivers or so. I I love everything about him. He's a wide receiver one or two for 70% of those games, closing it out. Now, I know it's a different offense. It will be different usage. Those 118 touches that he had last year, probably going to take a step down, but I do think the quality increases so I like him as well. I'm with you on both of these. I, I said it was a pretty easy show. I messaged you. I like, I agree with you on all these. It's not really going to be much debate. <laughs> yeah, is, no, you know, it's no fun. <laughs> I mean, I guess I disagreed a little bit on Jameis, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll disagree on some more along the way here. Exactly. Well, you got to let me know what you think of this guy, one of your bills, Mr. Cole Beasley. Uh, similar to Gus Edwards, nothing sexy about this value. It's not like anybody, you're not going to draft Cole Beasley and the room's going to suddenly hosh him like, damn it, I wanted that guy. It's, it's Cole Beasley. Nothing looks that sexy. Uh, from the, the outlook of it, 
But man, he was actually very solid last year. It seemed to me like he developed, obviously, we know Diggs was the go-to guy. It wasn't like this piece was ever going to ascend to number one or anything of that nature. But even still, he, he was clearly the number two. And, and similar to Curtis Samuel on that third down role, it seemed to me like he was definitely a nice chain mover, nice steady presence that was routinely averaging you know, 11, 12, and flashed a ceiling uh, plenty of times last year. I think he had four games over 25 fantasy points, given just how crazy of a pass bonanza this offense became. And I don't see any reason for them to regress. You know, they led the league in four wide receiver sets. Uh, what was it second or third in pass attempts? And they can, what was big to me is that they, they retained De- uh, Brian Dobble there. So they have that continuity of an offense that was so explosive. That was a juggernaut. I love when everything is just still in place. Cause to me, that just suggests why would it not even take another step forward? If at worst repeat, maybe even take another leap forward. Uh, and in that case, you, you take out John Brown, a, a guy that was probably the number two or so uh, wide receiver over those years. The splits for, for those guys last year on those games that John Brown missed, uh, there was seven of them. Um, and, he, and he averaged, you know, nearly three to five uh, more fantasy points per game if you look at them all. So ultimately, I love Cole Beasley. I, I know it's not sexy, but again, just similar to Gus Edwards, after pick 100, we're, these are more so like penny stock range almost, but I, I think he brings a lot of just steadying wide receiver three by week type of guy uh, that has a ceiling for even more if this offense takes the leap that I think it could, as it, it, scary as that might be. Yeah, the only things we'll have to take into consideration there are age. And for like a route runner like him, it's probably not as concerning, but age and injury, right? Because we found yeah. out that he was hurt at the end of last season. So we'll just have to make sure that, you know, durability wise, those aren't issues. I know they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. You know, that's a guy who could step in and kind of maybe fill that, you know, John Brown type role. I really like Gabe Davis still. Um, I do so too. There are a lot of weapons there. Even Dawson Knox is a guy, you know, we know tight ends take a little while. We saw down the stretch last year, Dawson Knox started to score some touchdowns, maybe get a little more involved. So there is a lot of weapons there. It's like I said, it's a smart coaching staff. I'm sure they're going to throw some wrinkles in going into this season, but uh, yeah, for the price that you're getting Beasley at and, and the potential um, I like him too. Absolutely. And uh, the two guys you wrote down were two of my favorite tight end values. I talked about Jared Cook on Tuesday, uh, but my next one up would have been Adam Troutman. So I was pumped to see you have his name down. I love the value you can get on this guy in fantasy drafts. What's your case for Mr. Troutman this year? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go really deep, like there's a, a bunch of guys at tight end that you could pick that are kind of going in, you know, the top 15 or so. But if you want to go like even deeper than that, maybe we'll see Troutman's ADP rise over time as more people start talking about him. But, you know, in that New Orleans offense, you don't, one of the things when I'm looking for a value at tight end, I want to try to find a situation where maybe my tight end can be like that de facto number two receiver in the offense. And I know you'll say, okay, Michael Thomas is there. Alvin Kamara is kind of the de facto number two receiver. Like, yeah, but we're going to talk about like downfield options, right? Like they don't really have a proven guy in the receiving core behind Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith. Maybe we'll see it from him. Marcus Calloway. Those guys have potential. But last year, Jared Cook, you know, he put up pretty good numbers. I think it was 60 targets, uh, over 35 catches, ended up putting up top 10 tight end numbers on a per game basis. I think we're going to see Troutman step right into that role this year. There really isn't anybody else there to do it. And on top of that, a very athletic player, had a 95th percentile agility score, a guy that even last year in the 15 or so catches that he had, had a couple of them go big for 41 yards, for 29 yards. Like he can bring that element to the offense. So 
I like him. It's just based on that situation too, right? The, the talent's there, sure. You know, he's not going to get the kind of volume where he's going to end up in the, the elite tight end range. But if we're talking about these extreme value guys who could end up being tight end ones this season, I think Troutman's right in the mix. 100%. Uh, in addition to Cook leaving and uh, Josh Hill, you know, 70 targets between them, you also have Sanders with 82 vacant targets as well. So plenty up for grabs, even if we've got that dominant Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara behind them. As you said, it seems to be pretty wide open. Uh, so I absolutely love that call. Plus the guy, 82nd percentile in catch radius, like one of those big bodies in the red zone that I could see. We've seen the Saints for so often. That's why Jared Cook was number two tied with Travis Kelsey the last two seasons in touchdowns. They love using those tight ends in the red zone. So I could see Troutman, even if it's not a consistent yardage thing, at tight end, it's almost like a coin flip. Do you want a touchdown this week or not? Like that, That's what it becomes after you, you get those top four or five. I think he's as good of a bet as a weekly touchdown as pretty much anyone from that like eight to 20 range. And he, he yeah. goes free. So 20, 21 touchdowns to tight ends the last two years in New Orleans. So yeah. you want the guy that's stepping into that starting role there with no one else there. Yeah. I, exactly. I, I'm already on that. I, I love that one. Who you got, Who you got for yours? What's that? Who you got for yours? I got Ferkser and I, I know he was on there for you too. And, that, and that's why I, I'm, I'm pumped to, to be in a, alignment with you here. Similar to that target exodus. I mean, nobody departed more targets than the Titans this year. And we know the AJ Brown 200 target narrative. And I love it. I'm buying into it. Like, please pepper the guy all you can. Of course, if Julio Jones comes there too, and we know that's the rumbling these days, Ferks is going to take a massive hit. Like he'll, he'll become a, a very distant afterthought in this offense. Sure. But as of right now, I, I don't know who would be the number two to AJ Brown. Ferks he's only had a few games with above five targets and he was a, a number three tight end in one of them, top 15 in the, the two others. He gets the job done with the work, and I think the work is definitely going to be there this year. Uh, they they love using those tight ends creatively. You think about you know, John U. Smith in the backfield and in the red zone just all over the place. I wouldn't be shocked to see Ferkser again, similar going in that Troutman range. I like them both a lot. I don't know which one I prefer, probably Troutman because of the offense. Uh, but still, I don't know. Ferkser, I think there's a lot of just available volume for a guy that's gotten it done whenever he's seen it. So to me, I like this guy a lot. You like him too, right? Yeah. When he first started getting on the field, uh, he was one of those guys that just passed the eye test immediately. Like yeah. you saw him out there and you're like, this guy could be the starting tight end on this team. Right. And he's had a couple times where he got to start and put up some numbers, but now this is finally going to be his job. And yeah, very excited for the opportunity there. And you kind of went over it all. We don't need to, uh, to rehash it, but yeah, the, the vacated targets with all those guys leaving, um, and the fact that it's a very efficient offense as well. So even though it's not a, a high volume passing attack, they're incredibly efficient there. So he's going to put up some good stats this season. Great value. hundred percent. Now we're going to move on over to overprices. The guys as, as great as it is to find those values in, and that's kind of the glory. Everybody will love it when you get them the, that underpriced guy that blows up. It's equally important to, to avoid the guys that just aren't going to return your value at the price you pay. And you're thinking Russell Wilson might not do that this year. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think I'm going to get roasted for this one, but I'm, I'm kind of worried about Russ. Um, and there's a few different things. The last two seasons, I mean, we know he's a great quarterback. I'm not, that is not up for debate at all, mm. but it's just about the situation. And the last two seasons here, we've seen him have great starts to the year and then just go completely cold. So if you want to look at it in 2019, he was the QB2 in fantasy points per game in the first half of the year. 
And then that went down to the QB 14 in the second half of the season. And that was nearly five fantasy points less per game in the second half of the year. And then this season, the exact same thing, only it was worse. It was QB two again in the first half and then QB 16 in the final eight games. And it, it was just brutal. It was 12 fantasy points per game difference in those averages. Like he just crushed you in the second half of the season. You have, Pete Carroll coming out and saying that the solution here is we got to run the ball more. You have DK Metcalf coming out and saying that defense has completely figured them out last year. So that's not a great sign when your star receiver is kind of talking poorly about your offense. Uh, some concerns about that offensive line. I mean, some lingering issues with, you know, reasons why maybe Russ wanted out. Maybe he saw some of these things that we're talking about. Um, you know, to get a quarterback, if you're going to spend up and you're not going to get one of those truly elite, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen kind of guys. And you're going to jump up and take somebody in like the sixth or seventh round, which is where Wilson tends to go off the board. There are so many other talents that you could get, especially at other positions in that range. And, and I would be waiting on quarterback. I just can't do it with Russ this year. And not to mention the fact that you kind of said it earlier, we'll figure out here when the fantasy playoffs are going to fall. But week 14, he gets the Rams. Week 15, he gets the Bears. That's pretty scary when you talk about a team that's now just going to be running the ball and they're not going to be throwing for volume. They're not going to be letting them cook. I don't know that I'm willing to spend up on Russ. I'm not, I'm not getting him anywhere so far. I, I totally see it. My only wonder would be like, do they let they they bring in their new OC? They got rid of Schottenheimer finally, thank God. I wonder if that signals a changing of the guard, given that they bring in the passing game coordinator of the Rams and not a run-heavy guy. We don't know anything about him. We don't know how he's going to call his plays. And the fact that Carroll's already come out and said we just need to run it more. I would hope, and I wish more coaches would do this, come out and lie to us. Fine. Tell us that you're going to run the ball like crazy, but then you better come out and throw the ball because that's what you should be doing. We saw what that offense can be when they are being creative, when they are pushing the ball downfield. I wouldn't even be mad if that turned out to be the case. But I worry that we have a lot of coaches that aren't really giving us the smoke screens and they tend to, you know, wear their, their uh, emotions and their thoughts on their sleeves quite often. And, and that's why I'm, I'm still pretty concerned about it. Yeah. I, if, if the fact that, as you said, they were so successful to start the year, I mean, they were going to set the, the league record in passing touchdowns, you know, break that Peyton Manning record. They were going to set the league record for points. Like they were on an insane pace and they just decided to hit the emergency break and stop that offense for, again, who knows why? I have no idea why. It, that That's terrifying. So I'm with you, especially with that daunting late season schedule and especially that, the fact that he goes before Justin Herbert right now. Like I, I could never justify that. If I'm going to take a quarterback in that range, which similar to you said, I'm not, there's so much more talent. Like I'm either going early on the Lamar, a Dak, a Kyler, and probably still not doing that. Uh, I, I always go late at QB, but if I am going to go in that mid range, it's going to be Herbert. I think he's the, the Josh Allen, the, you know, Lamar breakout of this year that chucks like 50 potential touchdowns behind that improved line. If that, if those two are the ones, uh, there's no way I'm passing up on him if I'm going quarterback in that range. Uh, so I'm with you there. My overpriced guy, and again, as of now, if Julio goes there, tosses take out the window, so I'm not going to go too long on this because you never know, and it seems like they're doing their best pitch to get him there. Uh, but Tannehill is efficient. As you mentioned, they've been so efficient, insane. Very low-volume attack, but insane hyper-efficiency, especially in the red zone. And I think a lot of people are expecting him to regress last year, and they didn't. They were number one two years ago in red zone efficiency with him. They were number two last year with him. So to me, all right, this guy really can get it done. But my question is how much of that was Arthur Smith, 
who I, I really do think is one of these play calling geniuses versus Tannehill. And maybe it was Tannehill. And if it was, then I'm going to look like a fool for, for calling him overpriced here. Because if he goes back to back to back top three efficiency in the red zone, he's going to have another great top 10 year as he's had you know back to back QB seven and QB two, two years ago, once he took over as a starter. That upside is definitely there, but to me, I just a first-time play caller coming in. Uh, the weapons getting a little bit of a ding here. I to me, there's just so much depth at quarterback. I'd rather have a Trey Lance, maybe even a Tua. Some of those guys we talked about earlier, who I think are up on up and up on the rise. I think we've seen Tannehill's ceiling right now, and I'd rather I'd rather go for someone I I think has a much higher, less lesser known ceiling at this point, assuming Julio Jones isn't there. Of course, yeah, your take gets gets flipped if it is. What are your thoughts on there? Do you think they, they could regress? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about that kind of efficiency, it wouldn't take much for that regression to happen. And maybe Corey Davis was overqualified as the, the number two there, and that helped him. And we've kind of just been ragging on Corey Davis here for a while. I'm not like some Corey Davis truther or anything like that. But, you know, he's pretty pretty good wide receiver, too, for them last year. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Tannehill. And if you're worried about Julio – I don't know. The last thing we saw and how much of this is just posturing through the media, but I think the last thing that I saw today was that Tennessee talked to them, but it was pretty unlikely that he was going to end up uh-huh. there. So who knows? Things could change obviously along the way, but uh, yeah, when you look at that receiving core and like we're saying, the kind of fine line when you have that kind of efficiency, it's definitely worrisome that with the weapons they have that, uh, you know, Josh Reynolds and those guys might not be able to step up and give you the same thing you were getting from Corey Davis or even a guy like Adam Humphreys, who, you know, is a seasoned slot guy, a veteran player, um, you know, a reliable target. Uh, you know, maybe those guys without them there, Tannehill is going to fall back a little bit in the efficiency market. Interesting. Yes, indeed. In terms of overpriced running backs, you had Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift, particular Swift, a very popular target right now going off and in late round two. Uh, and Miles Sanders obviously busted a bit last year, but still going in the, the first three rounds. So uh, intrigued to hear what your case is uh, for why these guys are overpriced. Well, I definitely think the answer to this question is David Montgomery, but I think you, you guys told me I couldn't talk about David Montgomery. I think yep. you talked about him last week. Pat, Pat had that one maybe. So, all right, we're going to move on to some other guys. Um, similar situation with both these guys. Uh, I'm just concerned about what the team is telling us about them. And I, I like both these guys as talents. I'm particularly upset about Swift and this Todd Gurley news yeah. today uh, just because Swift was my number one running back in that class last year. The guy could do it all. Um, but what are we hearing from these teams? We see the Eagles go out, they bring back Jordan Howard, they sign carry on Johnson, they draft Kenneth Gainwell. You know, none of those guys I don't think are coming for the starting job, but there's a reason why they're stacking up on all these guys. And I think it's because they're not going to give Miles Sanders this massive workload. Can he be efficient? Can we see guys like Sanders and Swift put up decent numbers, you know, on less touches? Of course we can, but we want to see which of these guys can jump up and become maybe that top five based on their talent. And I just don't think either of them is going to get the volume. Jamal Williams is somebody that coaches love. You have Anthony Lynn come out and call him a type A back and kind of talk up that Jamal Williams is a guy who can grind you those yards. And then Swift is kind of more like a change of pace. I don't think that means anything. I think they would both get touches. And I expected when Williams ended up there that, we were going to see him maintain like a, a decent role. It was kind of like how many Packers games has everyone watched where you're wondering why Aaron Jones wasn't on the field? Why is Jamal Williams out there? I'm texting back and forth with friends and people in the industry going, why isn't Aaron Jones on the field right now? 
Um, I, I think that's what's going to happen here. And then when you see a Todd Gurley in town, even though I don't think Gurley has anything left in the tank, that's worrisome. That's the coaching staff and the front office telling us that they don't want to give a huge workload to one guy, in my opinion. And Gurley's a guy that comes in with, you know, with some gravitas, with some respect, right? Like, even though fantasy wise, I think we know that he's probably done at this point, or he would be a guy that kind of, like I said about Peyton Barber before that would need that, you know, Peyton Barber like volume before he was going to put up any numbers. Um, You know, looking at it for Swift, I worry that he's not going to get that big workload. It won't be allow him to jump up into that, you know, top five. So yeah, a little, little worried about both those guys at this point, despite their talent. Yeah. I think full agreement. It's so frustrating with these talents that you'd love to see peppered and, and just continually ridden, but that the actions speak louder than words. I know Deuce Staley came out and said, Oh, you know, Swift's a 25 touch guy. Even if that means uh, 15 carries and 10 catches, we're going to give him the ball as much as we can, but then why are you continuing to bring in these guys? And a lot of people are like, oh, well, we see Alvin Kamara and we see Austin Eckler on this receiving workload thrive. Well, those are the Saints. Those are the Chargers like putting up top you know, five points in the NFL. We're looking at a Jared Goff-led Lions team with very minimal talent elsewhere around this roster. I do not see them being a top 10 scoring offense that can sustain a back that that is only seeing about half the workload. So I am a bit worried. I was very high on Swift until they brought in these guys and it's nerve wracking. I, I don't enjoy it. And I, I'm certainly out on Miles Sanders. I think Jordan Howard is going to be a much bigger pain in his ass than, than people are recognizing right now. I, I could see him scoring eight, 10 touchdowns and then they go and get Gainwell. I mean, yeah, it's just Sirianni is a guy that's always ridden committees. It's clear that's what they're going to do. And I like what this offense could be under Jalen Hurts. I like how Sanders played when he was with Hurts last year. His his two biggest games once Hurts took over. Ah, Just, I don't know. I'm with you. Just the, the, I hate messy backfields. I, I don't want, I don't see much like, why are those guys going so much earlier than the committee guys in rounds five or six that I think offer similar type of volume projections. So I'm with you there. Uh, my overpriced, and I don't think we have to spend much time on this because we already raved about Javante, it's Melvin Gordon. I think he's on his way out, uh, whether that means like literally on the way out, which might actually be good for his value, or just to the bench. Uh, I, I do not see this guy getting much volume at all this year. I think Javante is going to be a, a true three-down horse by midseason. I get that he's on his last year of his contract. Maybe they ride him into the sunset. I don't buy it. I don't think so. You don't go out and take this guy. You don't trade up in round two to get Javante unless you think he's a true stud, which I think he is too. So I, I, I see nothing from Melvin Gordon. He's kind of in that like James Robinson, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, like all names that are like interesting, but I just will never draft. Like, I, I, they'll never be on my team. Why take them there where they go uh, when there's still intriguing receivers? There's some good tight ends with upside there. I have no interest in him. So I don't think we need to spend much time. I think we're in pretty big agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. So moving to to overpriced receivers, and I'm always with you on this guy. I I think there's tons of just people that are always harping on the catch, and the talent has always been there. Uh, But we haven't seen it for quite some time now. Odell Beckham. Uh, What are your thoughts on him heading into 2021? Yeah, he's just not going to get the volume that he was getting in New York when he was like a 90-catch guy every year, right? Like five straight top 10 fantasy seasons. And once again, I'm, I'm referencing those per-game fantasy stats, not the year-end totals if there was injuries and stuff. But since he's gone to Cleveland, been outside the top 30 fantasy wideouts both years. Um, you know, the biggest thing is you look at this Browns team, I think they're going to be really good this year. I think they're going to continue to improve. But I think they're doing that on the back of the running game. They have two really strong backs. They've really loaded up on that defense. 
as well. They have other options. They have a Jarvis Landry. They have Austin Hooper, right? They bring in an, an Anthony Schwartz. I just don't see a scenario where they are just going to be throwing it to Beckham, uh, giving him that volume that he used to get. So that's, you know, the days of him being a wide receiver one and maybe even being a wide receiver two at this point, I think they're over. And then when you add on to that, the age that he's 28 years old and coming off an ACL tear, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Of course, we're getting the reports that, you know, rehab's going perfectly and he's going to be out there, but how is that going to affect him in his late 20s? It's not like he's, you know, a rookie coming to the league and he can just bounce back like that um, and at a position where, you know, that could be problematic. So uh, that worries me quite a bit with Beckham. Never mind the fact that they, as an offense, seem to take like a leap forward once he was removed from the field, whether that was like him demanding the ball and Baker being in his head or whatever. The, who knows why you get better when uh, still a talent that I love is off the field. But it was just very clear this offense, everyone was more comfortable. Jarvis Landry and Baker seemed to finally mesh. And I don't see that changing. I think Odell, like the team can be like, look at how much better we were. No more, no more complaining or you're gone. Like you're out of here. So we will see. I'm with you there. I, I do not see the, I've never been in Odell since you got to Cleveland and I, this will not be a year where I go back in on there. I think this is not really overly bold, but Devonte Parker, I just don't, he's similar to those running backs, those miles, you know, Melvin Gordon and the, the, the those guys, David Johnson, like why, why draft Devonte Parker? I think he is probably third on the target totem pole now behind Fuller, behind Jalen Waddle, who both have skill sets that mesh much more with Tua, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, and the fact that he, you know, went from averaging 15 points per game to under nine when Tua took over, it was just clear that this was not a mesh for these two. And, and that was with, you know, Jakeem Grant as the number two. He gets hurt. Lynn Bowden's the number two. And he's still Devontae Parker couldn't get it done. Like, why is he going to suddenly reemerge when you got Waddle and, and Fuller ahead of him at this point? Um, so I'm not into him. And you're also not into his teammate here, Mike Gusecki. <laughs> what, what are yeah. your thoughts there? If we're talking about tight ends, Gusecki's been like the biggest faller probably in my rankings over the last, you know, couple months here. Um, a guy who went from being a top 10 fantasy tight end last season to now, when you look at it, what he did last year, he's very inconsistent. He, he has some big games. He has some games where he just completely disappears as well. But his big games, most of them tend to come when Preston Williams was hurt or and or when Devontae Parker was hurt, right? Sometimes both those guys were out. I and well, we don't have to get into it, but I lost at a playoff matchup last year because I didn't play Gasecki the one week. And this has nothing to do with my decision-making on this one, but I didn't play him. Devontae Parker went out of the game, and all of a sudden, Gasecki blows up and has two touchdowns. And had I had him in my lineup, would have came away with that win. But when you look at that situation last year, now you add on to it even more target competition like you just talked about. And they went out and drafted another tight end. And tight ends take some time. Maybe that's just because, you know, Gusecki's contract will be up and maybe they'll make the move to, to Hunter Long who they got in the third round next year. But with all that target competition there now, I think Gusecki is going to be extremely inconsistent and a guy that you're not going to want to trust in your lineup compared to, you know, a tight end where there's so many of these other options like we talked about with the, the Ferksers and the Troutmans and the list goes on and on. I would rather take a shot on those guys. So I move Gusecki like even out of my top 15 at tight end, just somebody that I want nothing to do with at this point. Big, big, big. And I'm on the opposite end of the tight end spectrum here, obviously, when I bring up a guy like George Kittle. And I'm not, 
This is similar to my show with Pat, where I brought up Mahomes as my overpriced quarterback, even though he's my QB one. Kind of <laughs> my tight end three. Like I, I love the player. Maybe my the top three player to watch in the NFL. Absolutely love the guy. My gripe with him though is the opportunity cost where he goes late round two right now in front of you know AJ Brown. Joe Mixon, Gibson, Hilaire, who I think has a big rebound, DK Metcalf, Ridley, these wide receiver ones and running back ones that that I absolutely love. I can't pass up on that opportunity for George Kittle, who's never scored more than five touchdowns, as great as he is, as big of a body is. I don't get why that's the case, but it isn't. We've seen the injury concerns now. You know, it, The style of play might be a real thing. I know some people think it's a myth, but this dude plays hard. He takes some big hits. I, I just, if I'm going to go tight end there, I honestly would rather have Waller given the production we've seen these last couple of years. Uh, so to me, it's not about not liking Kittle. Of course, he's an unbelievable player, unbelievable talent, so fun to watch. It's more so the opportunity cost and passing up on these elite running backs and, and wide receivers where the drop-off's going to be crazy. Um, so, so that's how I feel. Do you think I'm nuts to be fading Kittle at that sense? No, I've been thinking about it too. Um I know my guy Ian Harditz over at PFF was talking about that a lot recently that Waller should be above Kittle and I've been considering it myself, but I feel like it's also one of those situations like what have you done for me lately where we saw Kittle hurt last year, all banged up and Waller's just getting all this volume and producing and that, you know, we're going to move him below Waller and then Kittle's going to come out this season and we're going to be like, oh yeah, right. Like this guy's just unbelievable. <laughs> and like, right. we just completely forgot that, you know, he, he's going to go out there and put up huge numbers. So uh, I haven't made that move yet. I think they're both, you know, great picks where they're going, but um, yeah, I've been considering it as well. So I don't think that's a terrible call, even though I haven't had the guts to make the move myself and put Waller above him. We will see for sure. Well, I want to move us to the no huddle offense, but I got to hear quickly your your take here on Darrington Evans as your late round league winner. It's actually funny because Pat, as we mentioned, one of the most accurate guys alongside you mentioned Darrington Evans as well. So that's two of the brightest minds in the game, bringing up Darrington Evans. So what is your case for this guy? I mean, I can make it very, very quick here. Last year, we looked at it. We said Christian McCaffrey has been getting all this volume. Let's just see who's his backup. And early in the offseason, we thought maybe it was Reggie Bonifant. Later in the offseason, we knew it was going to be Mike Davis. So it was go out and get Mike Davis everywhere you can get him. And look how that turned out. Yeah, You're taking chances on this. You can't do – it's not like I said earlier how you can't just predict there's going to be another James Robinson. That's so rare for that to happen. You can't predict there's going to be another Mike Davis where a guy comes out of nowhere and steps into your lineup and gives you essentially RB1 numbers all year long aside from a few games, but Derrick Henry over 700 touches the last two years. He's also getting up there in age for a running back. I want to own his backup and, and Evans hasn't showed us that much. This one is a, a pure situation, a pure potential volume play an offense that, you know, wants to be revolving around the run there. If Henry goes down, who's the next man up? Not a lot of competition in that backfield. Evans would be the guy uh, you know, somebody else, like they brought in Brian Hill, uh, Brian Hill in his opportunities. He just hasn't showed it for us. Right. You get maybe the odd game pop up once in a while, but he had plenty of opportunities to get the starts in Atlanta and never came through. So um, Darrington Evans is a guy that if he gets into that starting role in that offense, they're going to try to ride him. He's not going to give you what Derrick Henry gives you, but he can give you RB two numbers, maybe even RB one numbers the way they run that offense. So uh, he's a guy that I want to throw on my bench. You're getting him completely free. No one's mentioning him in the same yeah. voices, you know, 
Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison and the Gus Edwards, like you mentioned, those other backups who could really vault up the, the list if there was an injury. So you get him so cheap in the, the final rounds, a guy can maybe win your league. Very intriguing. Yeah, that line, that run-heavy scheme, could be. Could be if uh, Henry is such a tank that I don't see it happening. But it is, <laughs> we thought McCaffrey was Mr. You know, the Jack, like couldn't couldn't hurt him either. So a very intriguing handcuff that nobody talks about for sure. I love it. Well, let's if you're if you're down for it, let's rip you through this no huddle offense. Twenty rapid fire burning questions. The name or, or gut reaction that comes to mind here as I go with it. You ready? All right, let's do it. All righty. In order, the first three picks in every 2021 draft should be uh, McCaffrey, Cook, and I'm still going with Kamara. If Taysom Hill wins that job, I might change that. But right now, I'm still going with Kamara and that touchdown upside. Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number? Uh, I would probably say pick 15. And I have no issues with taking him at the end of the first round either. Gives you a huge advantage at that position. The next Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen style late round QB that blows up is? Can I go with Trey Lance again? I mean, you said him earlier, but I'm going with Trey Lance again. Absolutely. Repeat answers are totally fine here. <laughs> a lot of these questions end up being repeats for sure. Good so, to know. All right. Absolutely. Veteran who gained the most value this offseason? Uh, another repeat answer. I mean, Mike Davis, right? Yeah. Uh, I may throw out uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was another guy I wanted to talk about earlier, but I, you know, you <laughs> mentioned that you had mentioned him uh, the week before uh, or earlier this week. Uh, so, yeah, th- those two. I mean, those are guys that I really didn't expect to continue to have value this year, and, and they're going to. What about the veteran who lost the most value this offseason? Uh, James Robinson, it has to be right. And I'm, I'm sad. There was a couple spots where I should have got off him and, and I didn't, uh, but he's up there in a similar situation. I mean, Melvin Gordon, who we've, we've piled on quite a bit, so I won't say any more about him. <laughs> Pummel until he's dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rookie 101 should be, uh, Jamar Chase in one QB and Trevor Lawrence in, in super flex. The biggest rookie flop will be. Probably Zach Wilson. I don't have a ton of faith, and I think it might take him a little longer. They might need to do a few more things to that offense before he can start producing. But I'm I'm not getting great vibes uh, from him just overall. And you know, I, I like the new coaching staff, and they're going to bring that that San Francisco offense. But I'm not feeling overly confident about Wilson. Current NFL player you hate the most? That I hate the most? Yes. <laughs> uh, for a long time, uh, the, for a long time it was Tom Brady. Uh, being a Bills fan, but uh, after he left the AFC East, I don't really have that much animosity. I even traded for Brady. I never would have done that wow. before. I traded for him in a dynasty league last year as a what I thought was going to be a rental, and now in a super flex, he might be my QB two um, this year. So I don't know. It's not Brady anymore. Uh, I don't know Baker Mayfield. Maybe I feel bad saying that because I don't really have a huge reason, but. He just, he comes across sometimes in interviews and stuff like a bit of a jerk. And that like goes all the way back to like the college days. And you yeah. mentioned like maybe a, a little bit of a rift between like the Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham and Baker. And I kind of feel like I would side with the, the uh, Landry Beckham side of that. So I don't know. There, there's no good reason for that. But uh, yeah, in the interviews sometimes I don't like the way it comes across. Free agent who's going to crush in his new home. Uh, wow. Free agent. I mean, there's going to be a bunch. Uh, repeat answer again. I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. I, I think people are just undervaluing uh, what he could do in Washington. Love it. Early rounder one or two that busts the hardest. 
I'm keeping a close eye on Saquon Barkley and his health there because I still have some concerns about that offensive line. The guy is like all world. Like he's going to get out there. He's going to get a lot of volume, but a little worried about the health at the start of the year here. And just the fact that like everybody in that offense, there are, I know I'm supposed to be really quick at these answers and I'm not, but uh, <laughs> there, there's so many mouths to feed in that offense and the passing game and stuff that maybe the volume is just a, a little lower for Barkley if he's not hundred percent healthy. Who's the mid-rounder that ascends to 2022 early rounds? Could be Javante. Um, could be Trey Sermon. If he ends up being the guy who who takes that job at some point this year, um, he's going to be anytime a San Francisco back gets a lot of volume, their value gets blown up. And you could repeat Darrington Evans, or if you got anyone else in mind, a late-round league-winning running back, receiver, or tight end. Uh, I mean, obviously I would say Darrington Evans. I would still go with McCaffrey's new backup, Chuba Hubbard. Nice. Like that one. Most important training camp story or battle to monitor. We talked about the, uh, the saints quarterback battle. That'll be a big one. And the 49ers, like how fast or can sermon even take that job? How much is Raheem Mostert going to stay involved? Is one of those other guys, like I know we're getting reports that Wayne Gallman is technically the number two right now. We know with San Francisco, with Kyle Shanahan backfields, a couple of injuries and anybody could have value. So Elijah Mitchell, you got to keep all these guys in mind. The sophomore running back that you want the most and then the least. Um, Jonathan Taylor, the most. I am not worried about Marlon Mack coming back on a small contract after an injury like that. Um, I think he's going to need at least a year before he gives us anything. And the least, probably J.K. Dobbins. They just don't seem to throw to their backs. And every year we get sucked in. I think there was one today, a a highlight of him catching a pass at practice. And everybody goes, okay, they're going to throw to the backs more this year. And then they never never do. They're not going to. I got sucked in a couple years ago with Mark Ingram. He's going to get a bunch of catches this year, and it never happened. (laughs) Will Aaron Rodgers leave Green Bay? Oh my God. I don't know. And no, nobody knows the answer to this question. Anybody that tells you they know the answer right now, they don't. Maybe Rogers himself knows, but um, I'm still of the belief that they're going to do something that just public pressure is going to force them to do something here and get him back, whether that's trading love or giving him the big extension or firing whoever they got to fire in the front office, whatever it takes, they need to make this right. I think their fan base will just absolutely lose it if Rogers isn't there. Uh, this year but man I don't know there's a good chance he could be he could be gone <laughs> when you said trade for I was like maybe trade for Julio Jones imagine that one I haven't even considered yeah, that more, more help something anything like how are they not just making this right yes and if he does leave who do you think the first o- uh, wide receiver owner should draft is I've already changed my rankings just because I'm so worried about this happening and the uncertainty. And I'm a, a huge Devonta Adams lover, but uh, I have uh, Stefan Diggs number one in PPR now, and I have Tyree kill number one in every other format. Who's the player you'd least like to fight? <laughs> well, for the, I mean, I guess I, I have to say that I don't want to fight anybody, but uh, <laughs> man, Aaron Donald seems like the one, right? Like that'd be like fighting a bear or something. I feel like you have no chance. You just keep picturing like when he's practicing with the knives coming at him, like the guy or Josh Allen. I can't fight the QB one on the bills, right? I can't injure the QB one on the bills. So I don't know. Either of those guys. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the most co- intriguing coaching hire of this past off season. Probably Staley to the chargers. I mean, just seeing what he did with the, the defense with the Rams and now he's going to a team with the chargers have so many pieces on that defense. They just have to stay healthy. 
And then I think he's going to bring over like the McVay thing when McVay got his head coaching job and just gave the defense away essentially to Wade Phillips, right? Just you take it and I'm going to focus on my side of the ball. I think Staley would probably be smart enough to do that as well. And when you have an offense that has this young, exciting quarterback and some weapons, and if he can get that defense going like they should, and if the training staff comes through and and everybody can stay healthy, that team's going to be real scary this year. You're not going to leave 2021 fantasy drafts without taking as many Rams as possible. Probably. (laughs) I mean, particularly Robert Woods, who we talked about, um, Daryl Henderson, I'm trying to get everywhere. And that's not a, I don't think he's going to steal the starting job or anything from Akers, but um, you know, Akers hasn't completely proven himself yet. And one injury away, we could see Daryl Henderson step up as the lead back all of a sudden in an offense that I already talked about, I think is going to be fantastic. And Henderson beginning of last year, like the first six games, I think three of those games, he went over like 90 total yards in three different games. He had four touchdowns in the first six games last year. Like when things are going well in the offense, he can produce. And I think things are going to go really well in that offense. Love that call. I haven't even really thought about him. That's a really interesting one. I I actually traded to bring everything together. I traded Gusecki for him in a dynasty league. I was good at tight end and I really wanted him on my team. and needed some help in a lottery ticket at running back. So uh, a lot of people, I think, thought that was maybe a silly move to give away a guy who was a top 10 tight end. But we talked about why I don't think Gusecki is going to maintain that value. And I think Henderson, you know, could have a shot at being a big impact player if things fall his way. That's awesome. Last one here is the boldest 2021 fantasy football prediction you got. Oh, man, I never know how bold to go with these. Um, <laughs> Anthony Ferkser is like a top seven, top eight fantasy tight end. That's not bold enough. Uh how about the Dallas Cowboys have three receivers in the top 24 fantasy receivers? Is that bold enough to say? Like last year, before Dak went down, I think Gallup, obviously the other two were doing well. Gallup was like wide receiver 33 or 34 around that range. So a couple more big games for Gallup and and boom, they're all in the top 24. Love it. And just uh, these last ones are just about kind of the people to follow out there, but who do you consider your role model in the industry? That one's easy. And I actually this year uh, told him, or maybe it was end of last year, I told him. uh, He came on our show, Sigmund Bloom. Uh, Mm. Sig, I mean, everybody loves Sig, but uh, he was the one, and I explained this all to him, that he showed me that the industry could be more, before I was in the industry, uh, he showed me that the industry could be more than just, you know, hot takes and fancy graphics and that sort of stuff, that you could come at it and, and reason things out and really break things down from a logical standpoint. Um, you know, I, I love the way he carries himself. I love his show on the couch and, and how he talks to everybody and not just about fantasy football, but gives kind of a segment at the end to talk about them. Uh, yeah. Sig's great. Love it. And what about an underrated fantasy sleeper analyst for everyone to follow? I don't want to offend anybody here and say, <laughs> I don't want to say that they're a sleeper and maybe they're not. Um, I had Jordan McNamara on my show, Analytics Dynasty, a couple weeks ago, and I don't think he should be. I don't think he's a sleeper, but I don't think he has nearly as many Twitter followers as he should, so go follow him. I think it's McNamara Dynasty uh, on Twitter. Uh, Katie Flower, co-host UTH podcast. Um, And let's go somebody international. Um, Adam Murphy. I just know him as Murph, but uh, out of the U.K., um, it does a great job. Uh, and I went on their show not long ago. Um, I like him a whole bunch. So give, give everybody that I just mentioned a follow. Love it. And just a reminder for where our listeners and viewers can find you and your work. Well, I, I think I touched on it earlier. All my stuff's at the score. Uh, there are a lot of great sites that you pay for out there. There are a lot of great draft kits you pay for. 
The score does not charge you a thing. Just go and download the app. I don't know why they're still giving away everything for free. Like I said, the most accurate rankings in the industry, and it's free for you. Just download the app. Um, the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, I'm gonna. I, we had a, a bit of a, a microphone issue. Hopefully, the sound is all right today. But my mic busted this week. We had to cancel the episode this week and reschedule. Um, and I'm off next week, so we'll be back in June with a ton of shows and we'll move to multiple shows a week as we get closer to the season. Um, lots of great guests on there, so check that out anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, and the Score Bet, our, our betting app now. Um, if it's available in the, the state that you're in, go check that out too, or we're taking over that industry as well. Awesome, Justin. Well, always a pleasure. I love back-to-back years. It's Both shows have been fantastic, and I love the Score app too. I, just, I know I said it to you last year, but so consumable and just – you get right to what you need to know and you don't add much fluff. And I love that. Like it's, I love the score app. It's one of my favorites. I've long read you before I started writing stuff. So it's always a thrill to talk to you, man. I really, really appreciate your time and your depth of answers here. Yeah, this uh, and, is great. I, I feel like we could have hung out for, for two or three hours here if we wanted to keep serious. going, but yeah, yeah. Time, time is of the essence. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on anytime, man. Just let me know. Uh, glad to jump on here. Love it. Well, best of luck in the competition this year. Maybe you'll get back up to the top. I'll do my damnedest to challenge you there. Uh, (laughs) And good luck this season, man. You too. You too, buddy. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.